Heavenly Father, as we turn to passages that are familiar to us, we pray that you would yet speak to us and draw us to yourself. If we're in a corner of life where we feel outside, in the dark, unimportant, let us realize what you've done for us in Christ. If we're in a place where our responsibilities seem overwhelming, let us realize our great shepherd who delivers us and can lift us up by faith. Father, I pray that we would leave this place fed and nourished as your flock. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. We enter Advent once again. Advent is the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. In a you know, way in the church calendar, we identify with the Old Testament longing for Jesus to come. And yet we know he has come. Since there are a few passages with familiar themes, it becomes a challenge for those who have been Christians for a long, long time to hear anything fresh. But I would present to you this idea that the word of God is like food. I'll bet you had a great meal last Christmas, but if you didn't eat this Christmas, you'd starve. Let's turn again to God's word and let him lift us up. We're going to have a series that is over familiar themes, a four-week series on how our Messiah is a shepherd, a servant, a savior, a king. And we have a picture in the Old Testament of Jesus who would come in David as the shepherd, servant, savior, and king. And Jesus is the son of David in his human nature. That's emphasized in the biblical accounts of his birth. And he's also son of God, sent from glory uh, to dwell among us. So as we turn to this uh, passage, we'd like to set the context of why you need to hear it. There are places in life Seasons in life, positions in which we may feel very unimportant. We may feel like nobody knows, nobody cares. We, we can get isolated. We can be in low position. So were the shepherds. And God regarded them in such a way that he announced the good news of Jesus' birth to the shepherds. Now, we have to be careful here because I don't want to convey this idea the way the world thinks is in terms of winners and losers. And those of us who are unimportant are like the Tennessee Volunteer fans watching the Alabama-Georgia game uh, yesterday. We're just even outside the realm of of importance. That's a very snarky way of talking about people who in a much more serious time may feel unimportant. You're outside the clique at school. You are sick and confined. Uh, You are are growing old and facing the issues of life becoming smaller and smaller with accumulation of of many uh, losses in life. Perhaps you're so young in life and just starting out and you wonder where you're going to fit in. What are you going to do? What are you going to make? And you have these expectations that you'll do well and you feel the pressures and the insecurities of that. I'd like for you to identify with the shepherds who are living outside, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And God comes to them and gives them glory. They are so lifted up that the birth of Jesus is announced to them. 
But the gospel is also for those in high position. Who else was the birth of Jesus announced to? By the star to the magi, the wise men in the courts of kings who came to Jesus. And we should not uh, underestimate how important it is that even if you're riding high in life and you have many responsibilities, then uh, you can feel the pressures of life just as, as much. In fact, we share a lot in common. All the human race, from high position to low, face eventually the issue of death. We all go down to the grave. We had in our own church family of a memorial service for Janet Newman this week. And the transcendence of a faith that lifts up at the lowest point was just evident in that service on Friday. We have that lot in common of our mortality, whether you are president of your company or whether you are a laborer, whether you are uh, in the social circle on the in-group or the, the outcast, whether you're a magi or whether you are a shepherd. And we share something else in common. It's at the end of our passage for the prayer of confession. We have a burden of sin. We've turned away from God. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned each one to our own way. And there's a great problem in that. How do we find our way back to God? It's only through what Jesus did for us that we can be reconciled to our Heavenly Father because He paid the penalty of sin on the cross. So whether we're in high position or low, we will one day stand before God and Jesus is the way back to the Father and to eternal glory. So, whatever your position in life, I would like for you to listen to this message and take it to heart. A shepherd may seem unimportant. You're living out in the fields at night. And we might have missed that in the Christmas passage, but let's turn back to the shadow, the picture of, of the Messiah to come in David's life as he was uh, chosen to be king. And we find this issue of being unimportant all the more emphasized. God told Samuel to go and call David, uh, to anoint David to be king. Samuel didn't know who David was, but he said, go to the house of Jesse and I'll show you the one I choose. So Samuel goes to the house of Jesse, and Jesse brings out his oldest son, Abinadab, and and God says, it's not this one. He brings out the rest of his sons. I'll pick it up in verse 10. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? David was not only the youngest, he was so unimportant, he, was, he wasn't even there. Nobody expected that he would be God's choice to be king. Jesse said, they're still the youngest, but he is tending the sheep. Just like the shepherds in the Gospel of Luke. He was out there in the fields. And Jesse lived in Bethlehem. This is the city of David. These are the very same fields that the shepherds were in. When the birth was announced to them, that David was out there in the fields, unimportant, the youngest. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with fine appearance and handsome features. The Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. 
The Lord has a way of lifting up the one who feels unimportant, feels outcast, who feels left out. Does that speak to you this morning? And if you're in a place of importance and responsibility, I don't think the issues of the human condition go away. You know, when you're in charge of things, when you're a leader, you make decisions that affect a lot of people, and you're not necessarily the most important person in your company, in your group, in politics. You make these decisions, and the other side just hates you for it. It can be a very lonely position. You can be riding high and be the one with, with a lot of money. And you begin to have the, uh, the sense that family and friends only come close to you because of the money. It can be very, very lonely. There's this sinful condition that we all deal with where we can feel out there. Instead of trusting in our position, if we do that, we'll be brought low by our sin and by death before God. But if in that position we can trust in God, then he lifts us up. David was tending the sheep. The shepherds were keeping watch over their flocks by night. So what does that mean? A shepherd watches over his sheep. He may seem unimportant, but he's not unimportant to the sheep, is he? He watches over the sheep. The 23rd Psalm tells us what a shepherd does in watching over the sheep. There's the positive aspect about he he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. The shepherd takes the sheep where they can uh, eat and they can be nourished. They can rest. They can have uh, water. He provides for his sheep in that way. He also goes after the sheep. In David's case... Uh, this is the story of David and Goliath. David is, uh, has come to the, the camp where the battle is, is supposed to be waged. The armies are in a standoff. Goliath is challenging the army of Israel to send out a champion, and everybody's cowering before him. And David looks at Goliath, and he thinks, how can he insult God? Anybody can step up to the plate. And word of David's courage reaches Saul. And David goes to Saul. And Saul says, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy. And he has been a fighting man from his youth. There are times that we feel unimportant. Times that we feel our responsibilities are overwhelming. And there are times that that converges. For David, he was the youngest brother out in the fields. He was anointed king, but he comes to Saul. His older brothers are ridiculing him for the things he's saying. Because what he's saying about, does anybody have the courage to step up to Goliath, is embarrassing his brothers. And he comes before Saul. And Saul says, you're a boy. You can't do this. Do you ever feel like you're in an unimportant position, but your, over, your responsibilities are still overwhelming? Now picture the, the, the young mother. Now perhaps someone who's been prepared well for life, gone to college, had a, a really good job, and, th- and then you end up with this baby, and you had no sleep for the last week, and the baby just needs you. There's no greater responsibility than the life that you have in your arms, and you're totally frazzled, totally out of it, and so is your husband, by the way. 
because he's caring for the baby and for you, and he's not getting any sleep either unless if he's sleeping, don't let him. Okay? I, I remember when our, our, our firstborn was born, and Mary thought it was her job to let me sleep. And I heard this crying in my sleep. And I realized it wasn't just one person crying. It was two people crying. And uh, I finally woke up and Mary looked at me and she said, I didn't want to wake you up. <laughs> but she was, she was just desperate. And so I took Davison into. It can seem like you're getting on the outside, outskirts of town outskirts of everything important and yet there's a life that's utterly dependent upon you that's the the place of david youngest brothers looked down upon by all nobody thought he could amount to to anything yet and yet he steps up to the plate with the responsibility where he trusts in god and this is his testimony his bravery bravery doesn't begin in the public sphere with Goliath. He says this, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Notice First there is David as shepherd went after his sheep. The lion and the bear had that little lamb in its mouth carrying it off. What would you have done? What would I have done? I would have thought, well, I had 100 sheep. Now I have 99. And I I need to be faithful and watch over them. Jesus, our great shepherd, picked up on that and he said, what would he do? You'd leave the 99 safe in the fold and go after the one who's been taken, carried away. That's the kind of shepherd we have in our Savior, Jesus. But as David rose to the occasion to do this, it was a responsibility that was overwhelming. But he did it anyway. He went after that line. He seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. If we just stopped there, we'd think, what an athlete David is. What a remarkable hero is. He did this in his own strength. But he didn't. As he went after the sheep and he delivered that that little lamb, that little ewe lamb from the lion's mouth, he recognized that as he was delivering the sheep, God was delivering him from what was overwhelming to him. He said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So when you're in a place and your responsibilities seem overwhelming, you just don't know how you're going to cope with it, um, sometimes you're not, you know, we, 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 we see the story of David or we think about big leadership things or we think about the, the illustration with the mother and the baby. Sometimes the impossible thing is when God is calling you to love somebody that ought to love you, a spouse a parent, a child. And you're to forgive as God has forgiven you. That's a Goliath, isn't it? And you say, I can't do that. How can anybody possibly expect me to do that? That person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. But you see, we don't deserve God's. 
And we're to forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven us. We do the impossible because God enables us. As God, as David delivered his sheep, as he did what God called him to do in that circumstance, God delivered him. Whatever your circumstance, if, if you step up and do, if you, face, if you face that illness that is overwhelming, God will deliver you even from death. That doesn't mean that he'll always bring you back to this side of death. We've just experienced that in our congregation. But there was a, a, a deliverance, a glory that was palpable in the memorial service for Janet Newman on Friday because we serve a risen Savior who raises us from the dead to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. So do you feel that? You can know it in your head, but do you feel that? See, here's the key. If you're looking at, if you're in, in, in leadership and you're looking at other people's affirmation to enable you to keep going, you, it's going to corrode your soul. But if you look to the Lord Jesus to deliver you, you'll find a steady love in him that can hold you up so that you can keep on loving in your family, loving in your church, loving in your neighborhood, loving in your work because you love with the love that God has demonstrated for you in sending his son for you. I know it can start coming across as religious talk. This is what we say in church. The, the key is not just to come and say it and then go out and live the way the world lives. It's to take it to heart, let it shape us. When you're at that crunch time, when you're in your own metaphorical field out there outside and your brothers are thinking you're of no count, you're the youngest, you're having to do the, the gopher duty, and yet the lion and the bear comes up and something, you know, the metaphorical lion and bear that you're called upon, you know God wants you to do it, but you don't want to do it. Can you step up and say, God, I trust in you. Now do what you call me to do. I will love the way you've loved me. I will forgive the way you have forgiven me. I will attempt the things that you call me to do. If I perish, I perish and just go to heaven. If it fails, it fails. But it's your kingdom. Help me to be faithful to you in my position, whether high or low. And God, who delivers you, will enable you in that circumstance. The angels say to the shepherds, it's, it's, I think this is really a, a direct correlation. When the angels make this announcement to the shepherds, they don't jump up and down for joy at first, do they? They're out in the fields, out there at night, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. The Bible doesn't say it. They were so excited that God noticed them and they just thought, this is wonderful. If God were to, to appear in, in the, that spiritual, marvelous way, like he did with Isaiah here this morning, I don't think our first response would be excitement. I think we'd be driven again to the cross. I'd say, oh, Lord, thank you for paying for my sins. Because I now apprehend your holiness. And it is terrifying. 
I'm not worthy to stand before you. But your perfect love casts out that fear. You have shown me your love. You have accepted me in Christ. You have lifted me from the pit so that I can experience your glory. See, that's what the angel says to the shepherds. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. I I bring you good news. When you know that, when you've experienced that in your relationship with God, then he can send you out to do whatever he calls you to do in whatever circumstance it is, whatever position, high or low, healthy or sick. There's there's almost something romantic in the wedding vow where it says, I promise to love you and cherish you in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, till death do us part. Everybody's excited about that when they get married. It's not so excited when you're poor, sick, and it's worse. It's not exciting then, but it's very romantic because that's when real love kicks in. God has that real love for you. And he's demonstrated it in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he calls you to love him back with that love and to love one another with that love. And it's proven at the most difficult times. Is the Lord your shepherd? And you don't want when I was a child I thought that meant the Lord is my shepherd and I didn't understand why does it say the Lord is my shepherd but I don't want him I shall not want him until it was explained to me it means you you won't lack anything now you won't lack anything can be misunderstood that means I won't have any problems I'll have everything I want no that's not what it means because it later says when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death the Lord is my shepherd To put it in the idiomatic expression, I'll never be left high and dry. If I'm high, low, in, out, healthy, sick, no matter what, he will lead me and supply all that I need to lead me to glory in eternal life. Is the Lord your shepherd in that way? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we come to the Lord's table, And we recognize what he did in laying down his life for his sheep. This is our ample supply. This is what keeps us uh, from being defeated by sin and by death. Because he paid our penalty and rose again from the dead. Let it never become just uh, a religious talk. Let it be the, the truth that shapes and molds our hearts and minds. Give us a love for you and a love for one another that is grounded in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.